the Lord gave me a word for our church, and I normally don't. <laughs> when I have a word for myself, I normally keep it to myself, <laughs> but the Lord asked me to share this word with our church, and I'm really excited because I believe that you can leave here with breakthrough today, and we're going to be talking about breakthrough, and you know, I feel like you get that a lot, like if you've grown up, I mean, show of hands, who grew up in the church like most of their life? Okay, I have been in church since I was teeny, I mean, probably a week or two old, like I've always been in church, and you hear the word breakthrough all the time, right? Every time you go to church, they say it from the pulpit, they say it during worship, like, you're going to get your breakthrough today, and it's almost like, like when Oprah gives away cards, it's like, you're getting a breakthrough, and you're getting a breakthrough, and like, I think like what people start to think, they get really pumped up, you know, like, oh yeah. I need something from the Lord. And I believe a lot of you in the room do need something from the Lord today, or he wouldn't have given me this word to give to you. I know I do. I'm right in the middle of it. That's why the Lord just gave me this word. I am right in the middle. Everything I'm going to say to you today, I'm in the middle of. I am in the middle of walking out my faith on this. And you know, when people say, like from the pulpit, I think the congregation starts to get in this place of like, oh, I need a financial breakthrough. So that means if I'm getting my breakthrough today, the pastor said it, then by the end of the service, I'm gonna get a raise, an email that I got a supernatural raise, right? <laughs> or I am going, and, and, and honestly, I do believe some of you in here maybe need a healing breakthrough. You need a breakthrough in your body. You can leave here with that. I believe that. We will pray with you after. But we're going to be talking about getting your breakthrough before your breakthrough, that you need your breakthrough in your mind before you get it in your physical. Because if you do not get, even with healing, like if you come up here and you walk away with healing, you're like, I hurt my arm, I need my arm healed, and you get it, but it's not in your mind, it'll probably happen again. Because you have to be settled in your mind before you see it. Because that's what the Israelites did. We're talking about the Israelites today. That's what the disciples did. We forget. The disciples are so funny to me. Because Jesus literally twice fed like, well, the Bible says 5,000 men. So we can assume women and children were there. So we're thinking maybe 10, 12,000 people, right, with like nothing. And then they go on a boat and they started freaking out after Jesus had just fed like 20,000 plus people. And they're like, you didn't bring any food for us. And actually Jesus got mad this time and he was like, did you not just see what I did? I mean, and you're thinking I can't feed 12 people, but I've fed 20,000. We all get like that. He just did it and then we forget. And that's because sometimes we do get a breakthrough because God is good before we get it in our mind. And so then it happens again, <laughs> and then it happens again. And again, some of you are like, I need financial breakthrough like really bad, like real bad. And so you're constantly stressed out and you're constantly worried. And then God shows up and you get some supernatural um, check in the mail or like I said, a raise. And then you're like, oh, I'm good. But then it happens again, like a week or two later, because it hasn't, you have not got free in your mind. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but at the end of the service, man, I'm going to give you an opportunity to <clears throat> respond to what I'm saying. And our prayer ministers are going to pray for you, because I actually believe you can leave here today with breakthrough in your mind 
man, you might get a supernatural email from, you know, or a text from a family member. Some of you need breakthrough in your family. That might happen today, and that is awesome, and I believe that. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm saying that you can leave here with peace in your heart and in your mind, and the breakthrough can happen in your mind because I got a word from the Lord, and I haven't been the same since, right? So if it works for me, it'll work for you. And I have done this. I have been probably, I mean, like I said, I've been in church my whole life. But since Will and I have been married, there have been so many times that I have seen the Lord show up in this particular way that I'm believing him for now. But I'm back in this place (laughs) because I didn't get a breakthrough in my mind. I did not settle in my heart that the word says what it says. And it's true every single time. I expected God to just give me something supernatural. And I love the supernatural. I am not against it, right? I'm not saying that. But the Bible needs to be rooted in your heart. And that's where you get the peace from. You know, I was literally like, I had spent most of this past summer just stressed out. Stressed. Because I needed a breakthrough. And I kept asking the Lord like it was his fault. Where's my breakthrough? Well, first of all, I'm blaming God, so we're already at problem number one. And then I heard him say, Brittany, I need you to get your breakthrough before your breakthrough. And I was like, oh, come on. I got excited, and I'm excited today. I am a little stirred up because I have, I knew that. You know what I'm saying today? You're probably like, I already know that, but you gotta get it in your heart. I mean, I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm the associate pastor at this church. I know the word. But man, when I heard God say, I need you to get your breakthrough before your breakthrough, I was like, okay, well, I'm in disobedience if I don't. Like, I got to figure this out. And I started to get peace in my heart. I started to know, like, I know that I know that I know that God has spoke to me. I know that he takes care of me. I know that I'm healed. I started to get that so far down inside of me. I've walked in peace since. I mean, I literally have. And I have spent probably two or three months stressed out. (laughs) And it took one moment with the Lord, one second of hearing him say to me, this is what I have for you. This is what I want for you. And it has changed months and months of um, stress in my heart. So when I say today, not like maybe your usual, like, you're going to get your breakthrough today and like blah, blah, blah. You're actually going to get a lasting breakthrough, something that you can take with you 30 years from now. You're still walking in that freedom because today, like God, like I think sometimes we think we've crossed the finish line when we see our breakthrough. Because it's like, oh, I got healed. And and this actually happened to me recently when I was believing for um, just two or three weeks ago. I had been dealing with lots of colds this year. And man, I don't believe in being sick. (laughs) I hate that I've been sick. So I was like believing. And then I woke up the next morning. I stayed up like for two hours just praying the spirit because I thought, I am not waking up sick. And I woke up with like one part of my sickness well, but the other part wasn't. And I'm thinking... I need breakthrough in the whole area. I've got to get this whole thing in my mind, right? And so today we're going to be looking at three different people, three different either people or groups of people in the Bible that needed a breakthrough and got it and either what they did right or what they did wrong (laughs) or what they could have done better. And so we're going to look at a lot of scripture today, but I believe, first of all, everything I'm um, 
giving to you from the word is pre-cross. Okay, so I want to say this in the context of that. We are post-cross. We are living after Jesus died. So the way that this was handled in some of these situations, we can't, we're not really... We, we can't really look at that because our God's wrath was satisfied with Jesus on the cross. So like I'm going to use the Israelites as an example, and I'll say it again because I don't want you to leave here and think like, oh, man, if I do a wrong thing, God's going to punish me. No, that's not what I'm saying. But let's just use their life and what the Lord word has given us as an example. So I'm going to start with Hannah. And I had the Bible app read this to me because these names are so complicated, so please bear with me. I'm going to read it just like, just like it said in the Bible app, but I'm going to give a little bit of background, but okay, his name was Elkanah. I don't know if there's any Bible scholars that can correct me if that's not how you pronounce it. But he had two wives. This one's hard too. Penia? I don't know. Just let's call her Penny, okay? We're going to call her Penny because I can't say it again. And Hannah, well, Penny had children. Hannah did not. <clears throat> and this is so rude and mean to me, but if you're a mom in the room or a want-to-be mom, you know there is nothing like <laughs> your children, nothing like that urge to be a mother. Man, I, Will and I had settled in our hearts on a certain time that we would wait before we had Jo or say Jolie, but any babies. And I, man changed that because the minute I was ready to be a mom, I was like, I need a baby right now. And there is something like so inside of you, God has placed there and thank God he did or the earth would not repopulate. So Penny was so mean to Hannah and she constantly taunted her, constantly made fun of her because she didn't have children. And when I was meditating on this, I just think personally as a mother, I can't think of anything worse than that. That is so mean. Like that, like Hannah, it, <laughs> It sounds like she's dramatic because we look at this scripture and she's laying in the temple and she hasn't eaten days and she's screaming, crying so much. So we're going to read this. But he says, like, why do you come to the temple drunk? And she's like, I'm not drunk. I'm sad. And it's because, like, that is a hateful thing to do for someone to taunt you over not having a baby. So we're going to that's the um, context of this. But we're going to start in First Samuel 1. And her husband, Elkanah, Elkanah, maybe we'll call him Elk. We'll call him Elk and Penny, okay? Okay, it says, why are you crying, Hannah? Elk would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be disheartened? And why be disheartened just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than 10 sons? Elk, the answer is no. Hannah wanted a son. No, it's not better. <laughs> Husbands, we love you, but we love our babies also. So we, we, we want a baby here. And then verse 9 says, Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly. So let me just stop. The word is telling us she's bitter at the Lord. Bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. And she was praying to the Lord. Okay, this is so funny. Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving and hearing no sound. 
He thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk? He demanded. There, throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything else, but I am discouraged. I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Please don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Eli says, in this case, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked for him. This is the important part I want you to get. She says, oh, thank you, sir. Then she went back, ate again, and she was sad no more. Hannah needed a breakthrough, okay? It was really important in this time to have children. It's really important now to have children, but in this time, they, their inheritance, all these things, it was like, if you don't have a baby, you, you know, you're nothing. So Hannah is in anguish. She's in sorrow. And let me just tell you today, a lot of people love to use Hannah to justify infertility. God took, Jesus took infertility on the cross, If you want a baby, God wants you to have one, period. He wants you. You can be healed. Man, I I will never miss an opportunity to say that because I don't think the church talks about it. And BJ and Lisa have given me permission to say it every time I'm up here. But I know people who were told they would never have children, and they have four, five, six kids because God healed them. So this is not justification for that. But anyways, Hannah got a word from the Lord and she was sad no more. Sad no more. So first and foremost, Hannah was in bitterness at God, and God is so good. He's so good that he's like, I don't care that you're bitter at me. Come cry about it. He loves to hear you come to him. You know, I mean, the Bible does say enter his courts with thanksgiving, and we are meant to be thankful when we come to the Lord, and that's a good place to be. But if you can't get past that, just go cry and be bitter. He's fine with that too. He's so good. And then he's like, he spoke to her through Eli and said, I'll give you your baby, and then you go be sad no more. So we have two points here. A, she got a word from the Lord. And like I said, it took me one word from the Lord. And you do not, if you're like, I have never heard the Lord speak to me, that's fine. There is plenty in the word of God. (laughs) You don't have to seek outside of of a prophet. Prophets are good. You don't have to hear from the Lord. I, I love hearing from the Lord, but you don't have to. I never, ever need the Lord to say another word to me ever because I have the word of God. He left that for me. Every single thing I will ever need has been left for me in the word. And if you need something today, you're like, I need a financial breakthrough. It's in the word. I need reconciliation in my family. It's in the word. I want a spouse. I'm single and I want someone. That is given to you through the word. Like God has a word for you. But then Hannah had a part to play. Hannah had a part to play and then she was sad no more. She refused. She wasn't even eating. God knows how long it had been since she ate. I mean, she was, let's just imagine her laying on the floor of the temple so acting so crazy. She, they thought she was drunk. And then she left there and said, you know what? Penny, I don't care what you say to me. Come on, keep making fun of me, right? Because I have a word from the Lord. I've been in that place before. I have where I looked crazy town, okay, of something God told me. I did not care. I told everybody. I was like, you don't believe what the Lord told me. And man, I got it. Because I know that I know that I know. And so then you start questioning, like, 
maybe that wasn't from the Lord. I want it so bad it was probably for me. Well, if it's good, he wants you to have it. He put that desire inside of you. I don't need to, I don't need to know what he told you. If it's good, if it lines up with the word, it was 99.9% him. And if you're wondering, go to one of your pastors here. <laughs> That's what they're for, to give you guidance. If God told you that you should marry someone else's spouse, he didn't tell you that. That's, no, he didn't tell you that, okay? If he told you that, you know, you're going to produce babies and have lots of children, you're going to have one. We're about to talk about Abraham because he looked crazy, crazy, right? <laughs> Hannah looked crazy. And, and even in this, I couldn't find, I, I tried to do some research on like how long it was between Hannah getting this word and then getting pregnant. And I couldn't find like an exact timeline, but there was time. There was time between him saying that and it happening. And we all know they didn't have pregnancy tests back then. So she didn't know, you know, like the moment of conception. So she had to then trust the Lord for possibly months. And she was saying, uh-uh, I don't care. I don't care. Keep making fun of me. Go ahead. I don't care. I mean, we had spent like the first part of this whole chapter of her just saying her sister wife, which is kind of weird. I don't know. I can't relate. But someone making fun of her so violently, it tore her apart. It tore her nerves up. She couldn't even eat. And she said, but I have a word from the Lord. And man, she got her baby. So get a word from the Lord, whether that be in your heart. I mean, and if it's from a prophet, good. Go to a prophet. I'm going to say you don't have to. <laughs> or go to the word. Get a word from the Lord. And then go be sad no more. You have to change your own attitude. If you're in stress and you're like, oh, I need a breakthrough so bad. Like I'm in so stressed out all the time. That's on you. You've got to get in some peace. You have to walk in some peace. And for me, it took hearing from the Lord. And that's okay. That's what he's for. <laughs> he wants to help us. He wants to give us words. It took that for me. Or I could have just went to the word of God and gotten a word. And then, and then God's not going to change your attitude. People think that. <laughs> you know how many times people have said to me, I'm waiting for God to give me peace. I'm waiting for God to take this from me. That's my favorite one. I'm an angry person. I have anger issues, but God will take it from me. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Okay? That's on you. You have to learn how to tap into what the Holy Spirit has put inside of you Get out of that anger. Get out of that stress. Get out of that anxiety even. Right? Get out of the depression and get into the peace. You have to force yourself. David encouraged himself in the Lord. You almost sometimes have to make yourself. You know, the Bible says the violent take it by force. I mean, there's been times that I've been like, I will not leave my bedroom until I feel better. Until I am not, I will, I and I'm going to talk a lot about praying in tongues today. But if I'm feeling some kind of anxiety, I will go and on a walk and I will pray in tongues and I will not come back until I don't feel like that anymore. Because I know it's on me. If you sit around and wait on the Lord forever to make you in peace, he's like, you got to help me out here. You got to meet me halfway. Right? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's talk about Abram for a minute. <clears throat> so Abram had a lot of money. I was trying to find how much, but he had a lot of wealth. God blessed him. God told him to leave his land, and like all the stuff they listed was just 
so much cattle. And anyways, he had a lot of money. Abraham needed a son. Well, his name was still Abram at this time, but needed a son to leave that too. Okay, so in Genesis 16, verse 2, maybe it's verse 1. Anyways. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all these blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, oh Lord, I can't say this one either, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up at the sky, count the stars in the sky if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him righteous because of his faith. Abram looked crazy, okay, because he's now telling people, hey, God told me I'm going to have that many descendants. You have one. I'm going to have all these up here. And they're like, you don't even have a son. What are you talking about? How can you have as many as the stars in the sky if you don't even have a son? He knew what the Lord, and I love that verse. I've been meditating on it for weeks where it says, Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him righteous because of his faith. That to me tells me how important faith is to the Lord on top of the rest of the Bible that talks about it. But Abram was a man of faith. He believed God and he stuck to it for a short amount of time before we're going to tell you what he did wrong. (laughs) So we're going to jump ahead a little bit to chapter 16. And it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had bore him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her husband to be his wife. He slept with her and she conceived. So (laughs) Abram was in the same situation as Hannah. He needed a son. She wanted a son. God said, you're going to have one. Hannah believed it. (laughs) Abram did too. But then he thought, I'm going to help you out. You're taking too long. Do we not do this? We move ahead of the Lord. He gives us a word, and then we're really excited about it, right? Like, have you ever gotten a word from the Lord? Like, I've had words that I, or dreams that I thought, I if you're telling me this, and man, this is a long time away because I have no idea how that'll happen. Kind of like Abram saying, you're going to have the descendants of the stars in the sky, but I don't even have step one. So then we try to make God work. And we're like, you got to get to work. You haven't done your part. So I think I can help the God of the universe out here because I'm, I'm good at this. And so he goes and steps ahead of God and he, he has Ishmael, which we're going to talk about this, but God is so good. Of course, we know Abraham had his son Isaac, and it took a while because Sarah and Abraham were 100 years old. I have, but, but him stepping ahead of the Lord created lots of issues, right? 
He could have just stuck to what the Lord said, trusted, and trusted the process, and it would have been much easier on him and Sarai and Hagar and everyone else. But he didn't. He stepped ahead of the Lord. Sometimes we are so impatient. And listen, I have no idea why we wait. Or I I don't know. Like sometimes I do think it's because we are doing something wrong, right? Like sometimes, and I'm going to talk, that'll be, that's my next point. But sometimes our mindset is so bad, we're holding ourselves back. Sometimes we're in unbelief. Sometimes, I mean, it says Abram was in faith. That wasn't his issue. He was just impatient. He was like, all right, well, I'm getting too old, right? So he did obviously start to doubt. So he thought, I'm too old. There's no way I can have a baby at this point. And so he stepped ahead of the Lord and messed things up kind of bad. And I think it probably delayed the process. I don't know. I don't know what the original plan was. Maybe God was like, my plan all along was for you to be 100. I don't know. And I would have a hard time believing I would have a baby at 100. That's a a big one. That's kind of... That's old. Like, most people don't even live to be 100 anymore. But we have to, A, get a word from the Lord. Abram had it. He had his word. And in fact, the Bible said he believed God. But it's so easy to get back into our flesh. That's what I'm saying when I think sometimes we think, oh, we've crossed the finish line. Because Abraham's like, I believe you. Right? We've made it. I've crossed that finish line. And then we just get right back into our flesh again that says, you're taking too long. I thought you said I was going to have a baby and I don't have one. Let me help you out here. Was I supposed to do that? And sometimes we are meant to be doing something. And y'all know I am the number one. If you've heard me preach before, I believe we have a part to play. But God will tell you that. He will tell you, he will put it inside of you to what that looks like. There will be an urge there. You know, the Bible says we have an unction from the Holy One. Your spirit will start to be like, you know what? I think I need to do this. Nowhere in this does Abram and Sarai say, say, you know, the Holy Spirit told us to go have it. Didn't say that. God did not tell you to do that. Don't do it. And I'm not saying that don't do anything ever, 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 unless you hear the Lord tell you to. I'm not saying that, that's dramatic, but I'm just saying that like, if you have a specific thing, you're like, I need financial breakthrough, okay? And then you, the Lord has said, I want you to give me two months and you'll see me work. You better, be, you better put your feet in the ground and wait those two months. Don't start going and doing something else. Don't start making the Lord work. And I mean, he'll bless you if you do, it's fine. Go ahead. You're blessed. Abram still got his baby. Hannah got hers. We're going to talk about the Israelites, too. They got theirs. But just, you know, makes it a little bit easier if we just do what the Lord told us to do. We just wait on him. He is our helper. He has a best, okay? There's good, and then there's best. When we kind of do the work, it's all right. It's good. But when he does it, it's best. When he does the work, it's his best. But we do partner with him. And the first step of partnership is knowing I'm going to be in peace until I see it. I'm not going to, I'm going to be sad no more. Some of you in here are sad. You're like, I have a lot to be sad about. And you probably do. But you need to figure out what the Lord's saying to you. 
He has a word for you. And then you're like, you know what? I'm going to be sad no more. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. It's the first one, right? We're meant to be happy. We're meant to walk in joy. Seasons sometimes are too long. (laughs) We're like, oh, this has been a long season. I can't believe it's been two years. I've been believing God. But wouldn't it be better just to like be joyful through it? Be a little bit happy, you know? Go hang out with your friends. Have a good time. Eat a nice meal. Like, it's okay. You don't have to be in agony. And then you're saying, you don't know my situation. No, I don't. But I know what the Word says. I know that Paul had a worse situation than everybody in here, and he was telling us how to be joyful. He was locked up in the worst prison ever for nothing. No reason. So let's jump to talk about the Israelites for a few minutes. So... We know that the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, and we all know that, that, well, you maybe not, but that's why I'm in the background, but God sent Moses, he delivered them out of Egypt, he did the thing, right? So Exodus 16 says, then the people, then the people complained, this is literally immediately after Okay, so the verse before that, it's like they left Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, and then it says, then they complained and turned against Moses. Well, what are we going to drink? So they tried, they didn't have any water to drink, apparently, that was bitter. And it says, so Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and it made the water good to drink. All right, so the Israelites, step one, already complaining, which is fine, whatever, and then the Lord's like, I'm going to give you a miracle. He threw a piece of, let's see, he threw it into the water and it made the water fine just by throwing a stick. It's kind of weird. Like, if you think about it, why would that have been what God chose? But he did and it worked. And so the Israelites then see, okay, God can show up for me. Even though they kind of probably should have seen it when they were, you know, at the Red Sea and then it blew up and parted and they got to walk across and then it came back down and swept swept up all their enemies and they died but they were like well we don't have any water we're thirsty so i got something else to complain about so let's jump ahead a little bit numbers 14 26 says then the lord said to moses and aaron how long must i put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me i think Right here, it's kind of like God's like, I've had enough, okay? You've done lots of complaining, and I've done lots of providing. It says, yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell me this, or tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. It's a little harsh, but he says, you will all drop dead in the wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years or older and are included in the registration will die. You will enter and occupy the land I swore to give to you. The only exception will be Caleb's son. Can't say that one either. Jep. Jep. I'm going to call him Jep. And Joshua, son of Nun. Okay, so we have the Israelites here. And again, let me say, God has done this. It was he did pour out some wrath on them at this time. We are post-cross. He satisfied his wrath on, with Jesus on the cross. But we see that the Israelites delayed their promise for a very long time because they complained. They could not stop complaining. 
Have you ever been in a season of your life where you (laughs) realize you're so focused on your issue, you forget that you have a beautiful home to live in and two cars that you and your spouse drive and kids that are awesome and and like family who loves you in an awesome church, like bare minimum, or that you have food to eat on your table or you have clothes on your body. That's more, more than most of the world has. When we get into these seasons of sometimes believe in God, you're like, well, I'm just believing God and that's good enough. That is a good thing to believe God, but stop complaining. I'm talking to myself. I'm telling you, I, the Lord told me that a few weeks ago. I was just so focused on <clears throat> the bad thing that was happening to me. And, you know, we take, we literally, when we're doing that, it's like we're taking a magnifying glass and putting it on the problem, and it makes God so much smaller in our lives. We do that to ourselves. We actually do not need God to pour out wrath on us because we kind of do it to ourselves. (laughs) All you're thinking about is my problem. This is happening to me. It's so hard to be in this season. And I, when I started realizing that I had been doing that in my life a few weeks ago, it's so weird, but you start training your mind differently. You start to think like, well, what do I even have to be grateful for? And then you start, writing a list or doing it in your mind of the little things and literally i've been walking through my house recently i've been like i love my house so much i'm so grateful for this place where i'll be walking through our church i'm like thank you lord you are so good that you have given me freedom church i love this place like thank you jesus my husband is so good i have this beautiful daughter i have i love north carolina i get to live here i just love this place i just went to new york on vacation and it's a cool vacation but why do people want to live there it's so stressful like everything is so high paced and crowded and anyways i love living here i get to have a yard no one there does anybody there have a yard in new york i like to play I, no i don't i'm not playing in my yard but jolie is like you start, your mind starts to shift to constantly being grateful. I didn't even have to try. I mean, I tried at first, but then after that, I'm just existing, being thankful. And all of a sudden, my problem is about this big compared to the goodness of God. It is very, very hard to complain and be ungrateful when you think about how good God is. What a sad thing that we forget all the things he's done for us because we have some small little thing going on right now. Because if you're sitting in this room, I can almost assure you that there has been years and years and years before that that he has done over and over and over. And that's what the Israelites did. I mean, man, they just, I mean, to me, I have sat around and meditated on what that must have been like. Like, All of these guards, you know, all of these people who had enslaved them for years are running behind them, and then God splits a sea and kills all of them, really. And then they walk to the other side, and they're like, we don't have any water, like complaining. That's, what? Y'all are big babies, like stop complaining. They over and over, I mean, over and over and over kept themselves in this place of needing their, they had a really good promise, right? The land of milk and honey, the promised land, I mean, it was called the promised land. They hindered themselves from getting there because they wouldn't stop complaining. If you are in a place that you need something today, if you need money, if you need reconciliation in your family, if you wanna be married, if you wanna have a baby, if you need healing in your body, 
you have to stop complaining about where you're at. So many of us live in this place of when I blank, I will blank. I'll be complete when I'm married. Well, the Bible in Colossians says you are complete in me, right? I will be happy when I have another baby or one baby or when I'm a mother, when I'm a father. Man, God wants you to have a baby, but that cannot be the only reason you're happy because then you'll have the baby and you'll be like, I'm up all night. Like, this is horrible. Why did I want this? I'm just kidding. This baby just throws up on me and poops everywhere all the time. Like, it's, it's so, you have to be happy because you're happy because you have the joy of the Lord. When I have a, more money, I won't be stressed about money anymore. Uh-uh. You'll always be stressed about money because I know some very, very wealthy people who are constantly stressed about money. That's because they're, they have poverty in their mind. Like, I mean, I know people who should never have to think about money. And I hear them talk like they have none because it starts in your mind. Healing starts in your mind. If you need healing in your body, we can pray with you and we will after service. And I believe God, you will walk out of here healed, but then you've got to get it in your mind or you'll be like walking out the door like, oh, that didn't work. Like I'm still in pain because the enemy's going to come back and he's going to attack your mind. He comes after your mind. He's trying to steal the word of God from your mind. That's what he did to Jesus, right? He went to Jesus in the desert, and he tries to twist that word around. And Jesus, of course, because he's the best thing ever, he's like, "Uh uh-uh, I know the word of God. And he quoted it back to him. But when you have the enemy come to you and say to you, you're not healed, you still feel that pain? You're like, well, 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes, I have been healed. So you don't get to, and then you walk it out. Your breakthrough is not the money. Your breakthrough is not the healing. Your breakthrough is even, as much as we love our families, it's not even that reconciliation. Your breakthrough is in your mind and is in your actions and the joy of the Lord, it's in the peace of God. That's your breakthrough. And then in Matthew 6.33, it says, seek first my kingdom. Seek first my kingdom. Does it say seek first money? Definitely not. Seek first healing. We are a church that believes in healing. Man, we've seen it over and over. But never does it say to seek healing. It says seek first my kingdom. And then all those things will be added to you. Can you imagine getting to a place where you're constantly just walking in the like in this place that you all you're doing is seeking the Lord all the time and then it's like you have no other problems because all the focus is on the goodness of God. I've done this both ways and this way is better. <laughs> I have walked through seasons of lack and complain and been stressed and been fearful some of you need to get breakthrough in fear man you've been walking in some fear and you've got to get some breakthrough but this way is better it's so much better when you magnify the lord you take that magnifying glass of your spirit and your mind and you look at him everything else is small everything else is small And we do that in our hearts and in our minds. I'm going to go ahead and invite the band up. I don't have a lot of time to explain this, 
And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you can come talk to me after. But the Bible says that we, in 1 Corinthians 2.10, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things and knows the deep things of God. Your spirit knows what you need for your breakthrough. You have what you need inside of you for your breakthrough. It's not money. You're like, do I have money hiding inside of me? No, that's weird. It's not like even, but you have the answer inside of you. The Bible says, I said it earlier, we have an unction from the Holy One and we know all things. That's kind of crazy to think we know all things. Your spirit is one with Jesus. One third of you, if you are a believer and spirit filled is wall to wall Holy Ghost. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. So how do we get that out? How do we get to a place that we're like, okay, I need breakthrough. I hear what you're saying. I've gotten my word from the Lord. I'm sad no more. I'm not complaining. Listen, and I'm being patient. You're probably already there. <laughs> but if you need more, we have speaking in tongues. Austin wasn't even here earlier when, when I said I was going to do this. But I'm actually going to ask you to respond in a different way. But if you need a breakthrough today, whether that be in your family or financially, I'm standing up, and Will's going to come up here with me, in your family financially or healing in your body or in your mind. You're like, I need some healing in my mind. I feel pretty oppressed. I just want you to stand up with me. And if it's nobody, then that's fine. No, okay. <laughs> And I'll give you a minute. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird, except I want us to pray in tongues together if you have a prayer language. And if you don't, we have prayer ministers who would come and pray with you. But we can draw out what we need. Even if it's like, I know that this is impossible. Well, God says nothing's impossible with me. I have an answer. Partner with him. I want to partner with him, right? I want to be constantly walking in a place of partnership, holding his hand, saying, whatever you have for me, I want that. Whatever your answer is, Lord, I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to be patient and know that, Penny, you can make fun of me all day long, but I have a word from the Lord. I want us to be a church that believes that we, <laughs> that we can get our breakthrough in our minds, our breakthrough before our breakthrough. We're not going to wait around anymore to be happy. We're not going to wait around anymore and say that, well, I'm just sick all the time. No, you're not. No. And if you are, we need to get healing. You need to get it in your mind. In Jesus' name. <laughs>